Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. What's up everybody and welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host Adam Force and what's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. It's been a crazy week already. Um, if you missed last week's episode, it's with Justin Goodhue. Um, they're doing some cool stuff with an organization called Trellis and uh, definitely worth checking out. We talk about how they got started. They're in their earlier years, but he's got a lot of great experience and they did raise their first round of seed funding of $600,000. And when you go to the website, uh, changecreator.com, we have their pitch deck. Uh, Justin was kind enough to share that so you could check out the winning pitch deck for that $600,000. This week, we are talking to Timothy Sykes. Timothy Sykes was on the cover of issue 26 of Change Creator Magazine. That's right, folks. We have reached 26 editions, which has been just amazing. So we're excited to see things continuing to grow. We um, uh, Timothy Sykes is a penny stock. He's a multimillionaire from penny stocks, of all things, right? And he's using those skills and that money. I mean, this is a guy that was on Larry King Live, and he's been traveling the world, um, and he's using that money now to fund social change. He's also the founder of a company called Karmagawa. He's built he's built over forty five schools for kids in need. He's fighting for animal rights and protection. Um, he's doing a lot, and he has a lot of incredible experience to share with us today about his money-making habits, and also his startup business habits. So uh, let's dive into that in just a minute. Um, A couple other updates. We are super excited, everybody, because we just got confirmation. Uh, This week, we're going to be interviewing Blake Mykoski. I'm sure you know who he is from Tom's, and he has just so many powerful experiences. The story of Tom's blew up the internet back in the day, and he has been just growing ever since. But that doesn't mean they didn't have any hard times. So we're going to dig into some of the things that were challenges, what he's learned along the way about the one-for-one model, and we're really going to dig into that. So that's going to be the cover story for June 2019. So Blake Makoski, June 2019. I think that's about it for today, guys. Stop back, uh, stop over to our Facebook page, sign up there, follow us, get involved. From there, you can join our Facebook group. We talk about storytelling strategies for your business because without it, you have no good marketing. This is the key, folks. It's the key. So dive into the group, get involved, um, and learn more about what we have going on there. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, awesome stuff, guys. Let's dive into this conversation with Timothy Sykes and uh, see what we can learn from him today. I know you're going to. Hey, Tim, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How are you doing today, man? All right. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, you're welcome. So um, you have a really interesting background, and you know, before we dig into all that, tell us just what you're working on today and, and what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a stock trader. I got started with just a few thousand dollars. Now I've turned it into nearly $5 million. Um, a lot of people want to know how to do that. I was on this TV show called wall street warriors, um, that introduced my story pretty much everywhere. So I got started teaching 10 years ago. Um, and now I trade and I also teach and I have about uh, 6,000 video lessons and 5,000 students all over the world. And I teach, I show my screens. You can see exactly what I do in terms of stock trading. I still trade and I just show how I grow a small account every year. Um, And then I also have my own 
charity uh, because I'm obsessed with education. You know, it's changed my life. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to build a thousand schools worldwide. So far, we have 47 uh, built in the past three years. It takes a while, but my goal is to build a thousand schools. Wow, 47 schools in three years, but that's that's like a lot. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tap into all that stuff. Um, and you're big on YouTube, right? Is that where you do a lot of your teaching? Yeah, I've got uh, nearly 300,000 uh, YouTube subscribers. I've got a thousand plus free video lessons for anybody who wants to just learn the basics of the stock market and how to trade and how to spot scams and all sorts of good stuff. Okay, so take us back a little bit. What got you in? We're going to talk about the money side first before we get into the charity uh, organization and the schools and stuff. So, um, you know, just take us back. What got you involved in the penny stocks? Um, I'm really interested in that because it kind of gave you this this tool of, of cash flow to do other things like the charity organization and stuff like that. So can you tell yeah. us about it? No, I'm eternally grateful. Um, you know, I had my bar mitzvah gift money. It was just sitting in an account when I was uh, injured uh, in high school as a tennis player, and I had surgery on my arms. I couldn't do anything. This was 1999, so the stock market was going crazy. My parents gave me control of the money. They thought that I would lose it all in the stock market. Instead, I turned it into nearly a million dollars. Um, by the time I was a freshman in college, and then nearly two million before I had graduated. Um, and I, you know, never intended for penny stocks. Like no one, no one trades penny stocks. Well, right. That's like Wolf of Wall Street type crap. Uh, <laughs> but I always did well. Um, you know, you, you can actually make money by betting against scams. You can short sell. So I made roughly a million dollars like that. And then I made a million dollars, um, just buying, you know, penny stocks as they broke out to new highs. So I take the good with the bad. Um, I've tried other niches like big companies, but frankly, my account just doesn't grow very fast. So these speculative, uh, much maligned stocks really changed my life. So you know, I've I've I got into stocks, mutual funds, all that stuff, and I've always I haven't gotten really into it because I feel like I can never put the time and energy into really wrapping my head around it and staying consistent with the information. Um, and this is you know the past ten years, right? When I was working more in corporate and all that stuff, I was really into this stuff. And you know, penny stocks would come up, and it was always like a big no no, um, like it's like throwing money out the window. So. What made it work for you? Like, what were some of the things that you might be able to just highlight as the big things that helped you along? Yeah, I mean, most of them are scams. Most of them are no-nos. But every now and then, there is a good quality uh, penny stock that actually breaks out to new highs. So I look for stocks, not just with good stories, but stocks that are hitting new highs, stocks with news. Um, Sometimes these companies announce deals with like Google or Amazon or Alibaba, and thus it kind of validates their small technology. Um, So you can find these stocks every single day um, just looking at the big percent gainers. These are the companies that are spiking the most in any one given day, um, and it's usually due to some kind of good news. Uh, There's a lot of bad news sometimes, um, and these stocks can crash. I don't care about bad news. I only care about the few uh, stocks that can actually make it. And there's thousands of stocks out there, but you can weed out the vast majority of them by simply focusing on the ones that are moving, um, that are being traded, and not just being hyped with some good story. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And uh, did you have your fair share of like losses? Like, you know, tell me a little bit about the experience and building that first million. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of losses. Um, <laughs> I, you, you learn what not to do. Um, but I basically kept my winning percentage around 70% 
Rule number one is cut losses quickly. So if I'm down 5%, 3%, even 2% on a trade, I say, oh, I'm wrong, I'm out. And that way, even though I do still have you know, roughly a third of my trades or losses, the losses are smaller than the gains, and thus my account can grow bigger over time. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's smart. Um, and I guess you know, I I always found it fascinating this whole the whole marketplace. And do you think it is dangerous for people to consider this? Obviously, you're teaching it. So, have you seen success stories with people learning from you? Yeah, I mean, my top student uh, started with fifteen hundred. He's over seven point six million. Uh, so, so there's there's upside. I mean, that's that's an extreme example, but. There's, I mean, I have 5 millionaire students. Uh, most of them started with just a few thousand. So there's a lot of upside. Obviously, it's risky. It's dangerous. Anything is risky and dangerous without education and without rules. You know, again, rule number one is cut losses quickly. Um, it's very difficult to adhere to that because you have ego. You want to be proven right. You're like, yeah, this is the one. And it never is. Um, so for me, I, I teach basically degenerate gamblers how not to be degenerate and how to control their gambling instincts. Um, for the average person at home, you know, penny stocks probably aren't right for most people. I'll say that straight up. Uh, they do take a lot of time. It takes a lot of research, but it's what I specialize in. And, you know, for people who have nothing to do, people who play uh, Fortnite and watch Netflix all day, you know, <laughs> do something better with your life. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're like the Jim Cramer of penny stocks right now. People can listen to, to what you got to say, I assume, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's teaching, it's teaching a, a niche that is so, you know, widely maligned and, and greatly misunderstood. Therein lies the opportunity because, yeah. because most people hate it, it's easier. Uh, you know, there's no big firms in this niche because frankly, there's not a lot of money to be made. Like best case scenario is you make a few million dollars. Um, you it's know, that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for the average person, but on Wall Street, that's nothing. So right, 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 right. you kind of have to have uh, an understanding of that. And I'm grateful for it because there's no, you know, Ivy League algorithmic traders trading penny stocks like they think it's a yes, joke. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. And just to, just around this part of what we're talking about, off, um, you know, people are listening. They might be interested in hearing what you have to say on YouTube and learning this stuff. Um you know, us, us people in the startup world, we're always looking for ways to fund our mission, right? Like, so we got these missions, we got, we're passionate, just like you're doing the, the charity, uh, uh Karmagawa and, yeah. um, you know, there's good ways to, to make some money and fund ourselves, right. Rather than giving equity away. So this might be an option. And I'm curious, yeah. like how much you might be having to put down to start getting your feet wet? Is it like $50 in it to invest? Do, you know, when do you start really making some money? What kind of a size investments were you making to, to build it up? Um, you know, I mean, you, you ideally need a few thousand dollars. Um, that's what it takes. Um, you could just study my free video lessons if you're totally broke. Um, you know, it takes, it takes studying. I tell people like, you know, people DM me all the time on Instagram and they're like, Hey, I want to learn, but I have no money whatsoever. What can I do? And I'm like, well, what are you going to invest in? What are you going to trade with if you're totally broke? <laughs> yeah, you need something. All right. Yeah. So you need a little bit, but if you're broke again, you know, you can still at least study and save up. And in a few years, you know, you'll, you'll be useful. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you could take a few thousand dollars and you can potentially turn it into a couple hundred thousand dollars. Is that fair? It's possible within a few years and you know, the right market. Um, you have to understand that 
the market needs to be hot for there to be plays. So the past few years, we've had weed stocks, we've had Bitcoin, we've had CBD, yes. um, we've had Ebola, we've had China. So right now, there's no hot sector. The, 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 the weed market's not hot right now? Um, not particularly. It was a little, a little while ago. Okay. I thought that CBD stuff was going to really start popping off because now they just legalized the hemp production and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean they're they're decent, but it was more the anticipation of them of it getting legalized um, yeah. that got really everything. Interesting. Okay, interesting. So you know now you're working on Karmagawa, and how long has that been active? And just so you guys know that are listening, that is the uh, charity organization where he's building all those amazing schools. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was the Timothy Sykes Foundation, but again, it's not just about me. It's a community. So we changed the name. Um, I partnered with this uh, Filipino photographer. Uh, Gawa actually means to do or to make in uh, the Filipino language, uh, Tagalog. So we have this whole growing community of people who love charity. Um, and now we have built you know, a few dozen schools. We want to build uh, literally hundreds more in the next few years. It's going to take a while to get to our goal of a thousand. Um, but then we also went down to South Africa. Uh, we filmed videos um, about saving the rhino. So it's not just about money donated. It's about using our community. And now that rhino video was viewed 25 million times, uh, went viral. A lot of people didn't realize that rhinos only have a few years left. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're trying to get the word out. So we're using social media. We're using donations. And we're trying to uh, change the world. I love hearing that. So I guess, you know, what inspired you to build schools? I know you love education, but is there, is there something deeper behind your intention? Because there's a lot of charities we can do, right, to help. So, like, why focus on education and building schools specifically? Because there's other ways to support education. Um, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to travel. I've been trading all these stocks while traveling. I've been to 119 countries now. Um, so traveling gets a little old after a while. Like there's only so many luxury resorts and and different places that you can see before you start saying, wait a minute, like I want something more. And I kindly, uh, kind of just gradually got into wanting to help the local communities that I visit. And a lot of these countries, um, third world countries, you know, frankly, they have, piss poor education. Um, and education, I mean, I'm totally self-taught, but self-education has changed my life. And so I started thinking about what if we start, you know, helping these communities while we visit them. And that has changed my travel 100%. It's, it's so amazing now to go to any country, whether it's third world country or a beautiful country, or, you know, even like kind of a scary country. If you're involved with the locals, you kind of become family. Um, and it's amazing to help them out when frankly, nobody else really is willing to there. There's a lot of people on Instagram, they post pictures of where they go and you know, they don't really become a part of the community. And so we wanted to change that. So I'm fortunate enough to say I have, you know, friends and family members, like people who feel like family all over the world, because I get involved building the schools, helping the local uh, dog shelters in the Philippines. We have two medical centers where we help kids with cancer. Um, we do whatever we can to help. In Mexico, we have 10 libraries, so it's not just schools. Um, and we with a whole bunch of different charities to fulfill it in, uh, you know, every different community. 
So tell me a little bit about how you connect with the community and actually go through a process of building a school. Like, what does that take? And, and I mean, I think it's really important that you're talking to the community. So you go into this area. How do you start these conversations? How do you actually get approvals to build schools? Like, how does that flow? Yeah, you don't want to go into a community and just be like, here's what we're going to do. Um <laughs> You know, like it's this isn't like some white man superiority complex. <laughs> right. Uh, this is like working with whoever uh, is a local charity on the ground, seeing what they need, seeing what they've been doing, see how um, they help the community in need. Like I said, like, you know, uh, sometimes we build libraries, we build playgrounds uh, in the Ukraine now, too. So it's not just schools um, and there's different charities on, on the ground. So you meet different people, just like I said, throughout my travels, uh, you know, different hotels introduce me to different charities. Um, I have a whole team now of three people uh, who research the charities because now it's not just, oh, this is a good cause. I want to make sure the money is spent the right way. Uh, we use Charity Navigator where, you know, you can see and assess how well the charity is actually functioning. Um, you know, is it spending money correctly? Is it um, efficient with the money? And you also have to talk with the different charities. So there's a lot that goes on behind it. Um, yeah. And we just try to do our best in every single community. In Cambodia, um, I, you know, opened a school, which was fantastic. But then when I went to the school opening, I met with the community leaders and they were saying, hey, you know, this is great. But what people really are interested in here is soccer or football. So we built a <laughs> soccer stadium right next to my school. Um, you know, took only three months to build the soccer stadium because people love soccer more than schools. $63,000. Um, it's a good price in Cambodia. And now we have a whole soccer stadium and that is, uh, you know, kind of united for surrounding towns because everyone comes to the soccer stadium, not just for matches, but also concerts and meetups. And they have like a whole little fair and it's actually amazing. Wow. That is really cool. Um, so, Hey, I mean, I just, I love like the, the fact that you are just engaging with the communities and you're listening to them, right? Like they speak to what they're looking for. And obviously I'm going to say that the schools are far more important than the soccer field, <laughs> but you know, you got to have those things. And I love the fact that what you just said too, that it ties in a community effect. It brings these people together. It's entertainment. I think it's really cool. And now you got both, you got the school and the soccer stadium. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. So when I go back there, it's it's a fun party. They threw a, the Cambodians love to party. So they threw a giant party. Um, it's kind of weird with like my name. Uh, this was before Carmagawa got started. So they just have like my name, like in these multi, uh, you know, five or six foot block letters. And I'm just like, this is this is weird. So I'm glad that it's not my name anymore. Like I don't, I already have enough ego. I don't need any more of that. I think a lot of people do charity out of guilt or to look good, like with their name on a building. I just do it because I actually enjoy it and I know how much it helps communities. Um, and so I, I share it on social media too. You can follow Karma Gawa on Instagram. I mean, we have 300,000 followers now. The Rhino video literally just blew us up and now we're trying to help more animals, talk about global warming. We have some amazing new projects uh, coming to help um, other animals in 2019. There's a lot of different animals that frankly are going to become extinct in the next few years if we don't do anything. Interesting. So, um, so it sounds like you have a real interest in supporting climate change, animal rights. So there's like a variety. I see, yes, you're going out and you're building schools, but you're, you know, the rhino thing kind of blew up and you're going to lean into some of the animal protection stuff. Maybe is that what I'm hearing? 
Yeah, I mean, we'll always build schools. Um, but like I said, like these animals, they don't have more than a few years left. So it's urgent. Um, in the background, we're always building schools. You know, we have 26 schools scheduled to be built uh, this year. But like I said, schools take a little while to actually build. And it's nice, but it's not as urgent, um, you know, as some of these animals that literally like rhinos, five years left. Giraffes are now in danger. We don't even realize that giraffes, polar bears, uh, rhinos, hippos. I mean, all of these animals will be gone. And it's sad, like, okay, if you love animals, but more importantly, also from an economic standpoint, I mean, Africa's uh, economy isn't that great, but at least they have tourists uh, coming there to see these animals. With no animals, their economy is even worse. The problems in Africa, uh, you know, get even worse after that happens. So it's, it's kind of trying to prevent a tragedy before it happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a set, it is a tragedy. And there's a lot of things going on that, you know, you know, this is why we're so passionate about trying to innovate solutions and all those types of things. And I'm curious on your just your thoughts as you get more, um, you know, engulfed in the space. Uh, you know, do you see opportunities for entrepreneurs to play a role in disrupting uh, the patterns and helping with these uh, issues? Yeah, 100%. I mean, if, if not for entrepreneurs, who's going to do it then? Um, the governments certainly have proven their inability uh, to be very useful uh, to, to help the locals um, in terms of, you know, just effectiveness and, uh, you know, corruption. Like, don't even get me started on that stuff um, in some of these countries. So I think it's up to us entrepreneurs, not just in terms of money. Like, you don't have to donate $63,000. I mean, you can come up with some innovative ideas um, and trying different stuff to help locals. I mean, obviously water is a big problem in Africa and I know there's all kinds of, uh, new age solutions that are being used to filter the water to make it cleaner. Um, and then, you know, we have like the whole problem with the trash in the oceans and there's different inventions and different, uh, startups and charities working to try to, to fix that. And I encourage everybody to take a second and start thinking about the world as a whole. It's not just, you know, good for your ego or, or good for your soul. It's good for the environment. It's good for your wallet if you actually, you know, do it the right way. There's nothing wrong with making money and helping the world. I get a lot of negativity sometimes where they're like, oh, you just make money, you know, teaching other people. And I'm like, yeah, I do make money teaching other people. Why is this a bad thing? I'm not selling, you know, drugs to kids. I don't know why education has such a, a bad um, rap on, on the internet. I get it. There's lots of fakes, you know, people who claim to be rich, but I actually show every trade. I show my income taxes. I show my audits. And frankly, it's just good to be real. No matter what industry you go into, um, you, you show that you're real, you show that you're an expert, you show that you can provide value and can help. And the world literally comes to you. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, I think selling intellectual property is one of the most valuable things that you can do because this is how we can learn from each other. And I think everybody is a teacher and everybody is a student, right? So we all have something to learn from each other. And um, if you can monetize that, there's value. People will take it more seriously. They invest in it. Um, I see nothing wrong with that. And to me, if you're helping people make progress in their own lives, um, that's, that's, that's one of the best things you can do, right? 
Yeah. I mean, people all the time ask me for money and I say, no, I'm not going to give you money. I'm going to give you an education so that you can earn money yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, teach a man to fish rather than give him the fish. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these charities. They mean well, but they don't fix the underlying problem. Like, okay, you provide meals for a day. That's fantastic. But people are going to be hungry the next day and you haven't <laughs> right. done anything. And you've kind of encouraged, I think, the kind of the wrong kind of giving where they become dependent on other people. And a lot of these third world countries have basically been turned into societies that kind of beg for help because, frankly, they need the help and this is the only way they can get it. But I want to try to fix that. And that's where education comes in, where it's not going to happen overnight. You know, the kids have to be educated for several years. They have to learn different skills, use those skills in the workforce, make enough money. And eventually, you know, a few decades from now, everyone gets to escape uh, poverty once they are skilled and knowledgeable. But, you know, it's not going to be a fun few years while you're still getting that education. It's never fun learning a skill. Um, a lot of people are like, hey, I'm really interested in the stock market. This is going to be so much fun. They think it's going to be like this cute little thing. And I'm like, listen, the, the process of getting rich, the process of learning finance is boring. Like it is not fun. You get to have fun afterwards. Like you get rewarded for your hard work later on. But a lot of people don't want that. They don't want to put in the time and effort. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, you know, and I, you know, part of my philosophy is really, you know, there is the hard work you got to put in. Um, but hopefully if you keep the goal in mind and you know where you're going, that will motivate you. I, I, that's something that always stuck with me from Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're like, he would always, people would always be like, why, why are you always smiling after doing a five hour, you know, workout in the gym while everyone else has a sour face? And he's like, because I'm excited to do that next 500 pound squat. Cause I know I'm one, one squat closer to my goal, you know? So yeah. it's like that kind of thinking. Yeah, I think that there's a lot that can be said about, you know, um, what can get the best performance out of people. I mean, if you look at my Instagram, it's basically all like dream life type photos and videos. And it is I'm living a dream life, you know, after 20 years of hard work as a trader now as a teacher. And I learned, you know, there's no magic formula to getting rich, but getting people to study more. Um, I have so many video lessons, DVDs, webinars, like getting them to actually put in the time and be focused. And in order to do that, you need to think about, okay, why am I putting in all this time? So right. if you actually look at like performance theory, if you have a big goal as opposed to a small goal, it increases your daily performance 15 to 25%. So that's why I always say, look, how do you, you know, try to make a million dollars? Don't just try to make like 5,000 or 10,000. You got to try to aim big. And that way, even if you miss for your million dollar goal, you still make a few hundred thousand dollars and you still have freedom. And when you have freedom, you know, then you can start a charity. You can do what you want. You're not uh, kind of enslaved to a boss or a job that you hate that I think too many people are stuck in. It's true. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. And I think that's part of the big transition taking place today. So as the circumstances around us kind of unfold and get worse and we have more transparency with the Internet, people are kind of, you know, getting into more of a mindset of, um, you know, living more meaningfully, contributing to these issues and solving the problems. And it's becoming the work is no longer about jobs. It's about creating these lifestyles that are meaningful, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the most exciting time. I say it in every interview. Um, the internet, we're just getting started. It's like the wild west. You know, there are some scammers out there, but they're not going to last. You can kind of see through the scams. Yeah. The the people and the businesses and the websites that are going to last are providing real value, and it's going to be interesting to see 
how that, you know, plays out over the coming years. I mean, my community, just from my, my little profitly community of stock traders has grown to over 100,000 traders. Now, Karmagawa has over 300,000 followers on Instagram. Um, and they're, you know, actually helping. Like we've built, you know, 47 schools are open, four in development uh, right now that should open this month and then another 26 this year. But we actually have several followers who have built their own schools just because they've seen what we're doing. And now we have 16 schools built by followers and some of my students. Um, and that's what I think the internet has the, the potential to do to really um, kind of harness uh, a whole bunch of people in their efforts and their their hard work and and then you can see like things get accomplished quicker than ever before because we're all sharing it and we're all posting it and we're part of this global you know digital community yeah no i think that that i couldn't agree more i think that makes a lot of sense and um you know one of the things that did stand out to me and i just before i forget to mention it is i i regarding the uh charities you know you mentioned how so many are not like you're kind of look. it almost sounded to me like you wanted to reframe the purpose of charity in a sense, like your offering is different. It's not just about, oh, you're hungry, let me give you food. It's more about, um, like you said, teaching someone to fish versus just giving them the fish. Um, so, you know, I feel like the current charity model is something that always enamored me. And I'm wondering, you know, like it's kind of like shoveling sand against the tide, right? It just never goes away because you never get to the root issue. Um, do you see that? Do you believe that the charity model is going to start evolving away from that? Or do you see it as an on, ongoing thing? Yeah, I mean, you're you're dead on. Um, charity is broken. Um, like if I, I work with a whole bunch of charities. A lot of people who work at these charities, they last a few years and they go into the for-profit sector because yep. they see that charities are broken. Um, the biggest donations come from uh, these government grants or big companies trying to look good or celebrities who have like a DUI or a Coke problem <laughs> and they do some charity to look good. Um I really want people to change their mindset with charity, like not just looking good, not just giving money, but doing it because you want to, doing it because it feels good, doing because you actually think that you can solve the problem long term. Um, again, a lot of these charities, they do very good in the short term. They have no long term uh, you know, potential whatsoever. Um, it's kind of like an Uber driver who just drives every single day and they're, you know, okay, they're getting paid. They have to put food on the table, but they're never really going to get rich because they're just getting paid hourly. Mm. You need to like utilize the internet, utilize technology, utilize what we can do in terms of groups and getting the word out there faster than ever. And that's what I'm most excited about where it's not like an hourly thing. It's not, a uh, you know, a dollar kind of thing, like where all the money that we raised from Karmagawa, fantastic. I mean, I've donated roughly four and a half million dollars personally in the past four or five years, but that's a drop in the bucket. What is going to change this world in any, uh, you know, any of the many causes that we deal with, it's going to be a Herculean like task with every single person getting involved, sharing it with their friends, sharing it with their families on social network, everyone maybe contributing a dollar. Um, but thinking about like, what can we really do today, this week, this month, this year that will benefit this cause, this community, these people yeah. five, 10, 20 years from now, because otherwise if we just keep trying to put on, you know, band-aids on like this gaping wound, it's never going to heal. You need to get to the root of the problem. Education is key. Um, in terms of pollution, I mean, that's such a mammoth task. I have anything <laughs> yeah. to, uh, you know, tackle that from plastic to chemicals, 
um, you know, to global warming. Like there's so much that, that needs to be done. But at first you need to care and you need to start thinking a little differently. I see a lot of charities, they raise the most money at their like annual galas and they auction stuff off. And I get it, you know, you got to try to raise 500,000, a million, maybe even, you know, 5 million. Or if you're like the Robin Hood charity, you know, a few, uh, you know, hundred million dollars a year, it's fantastic. But again, this is all small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. So we need to get people thinking differently about charity if we're truly going to change the world. I couldn't agree more. And that's why I brought it up again. I, I just always thought it was such a broken model. And, and you, you know, you also mentioned like getting behind the right charities. So I'm actually kind of surprised you would, um, call yourself a charity of any kind just to, because of the, you know, the stigma uh, almost around it. So why do you decide to, to call yourself a charity? Um, I mean, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't. Um, but we started the Timothy Sykes Foundation, which is a 501c3, like mm-hmm. nonprofit official okay. charity. Um, Karma Gawa actually is a hybrid. Um, so we donate 80% of the profits. Um, we have charity apparel. Um, so 80% goes to charity, to the Timothy Sykes Foundation, which will soon be renamed the Karma Gawa Foundation. Um, and then 20% goes back to making the apparel and stuff like that. So it's actually a for-profit model, even though the vast majority of it gets donated. And I think that, you know, just in charity, in terms of legal speak, like it's very, very limiting. We can only donate to a few charities. They need to have all their legal paperwork in order. Um, that doesn't help a lot of the communities where frankly, people just want to do good, but they don't have the money. They don't have the know-how. They don't have the expertise to set up the charity the right way, legally speaking. So, um, I think that there's, there's going to be a change in the future. And I think that it's going to be, um, open to a lot of opportunity, no different than how in 1999 and 2000, you know, uh, the financial markets were changed with online discount brokers and right. full service brokers went the way of dinosaurs. I guess they still exist. Uh, they're few and far between. And I think the charity world is due for some massive disruption like that, too, as technology and transparency start to change everything. You're not going to need these, you know, old school um, you know, legal setups and entities that, you know, yes, they have a negative stigma, but they're also very limiting in terms of money being able to be given and how it's properly used to actually support the cause. So right. that's going to be, that's going to be a massive change in the next few years and decades. I think so too. And I, and I see more, I just had a conversation with somebody at an accelerator here in Miami and we were talking about some of this stuff and, um, you know, even the idea of nonprofits and, you know, like there's a, there is a transition happening where people who are creating impact, right? They want to do something important like that, but they're going the for-profit route. There's more and more people seeing, oh, I can do a for-profit. And it's kind of like changing the model of how people are doing things. Um, so it's interesting to hear how you're talking about charities. And I do think there is this slow transition in how we think about business in general and the idea of doing good and that you can now have this for-profit model um, to do those things. Yeah. Again, like if you want to help, I mean, there's going to be so many different ways to do it. Um, you're just not going to be able to, to do it in one way anymore. I think that there's going to be many different options and you need to consider those options and you need to be adaptable. I, I really hate that a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of charities, they're just kind of dinosaurs. They don't adapt. They're not willing to adapt. A lot of charities shun social media because of the risks because, you know, they kind of are walking on eggshells all the time in terms of their rich donors and their government grants. And they just look at social media as, uh, you know, a potential damaging platform. So they 
they just don't even want to partake on it. They want to protect on, you know, what they have, which not much. 100%. Tim, this is an awesome conversation. Um, Love where your head's at and everything you're doing with your success at this point and appreciate it. So keep doing what you're doing. And I can't wait for you. Let's say uh, with the next milestone, you get to your 500 schools. I want to reconvene and do the next interview so we can see what's going on. Cool. Give me a few years. That takes a while to build. That. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, we'll, we'll keep building schools. But again, also just check out Karma Gala because we're going to start to use this social media platform in ways that I don't think um, many charities or many people have tried before. And, you know, we have like this army, like 300,000 followers. OK, it sounds all nice. And, you know, there's bigger accounts, but sure. 300,000 dedicated people to changing the world. I mean, my DMs are, are insane, and I'm excited to actually utilize this army for good. Hell yeah, I love that. And dude, I mean, it, the, the volume doesn't matter. It's the engagement, right? Like, are people involved? And I'm curious, like, you did this Rhino video, and you said that boosted your, uh, your numbers, right? Yeah, I mean, so we, I mean, if you look at in terms of engagement, we currently have the engagement of, like, a page that has, like, four or five million followers. So <laughs> it's... It's insane the amount of people who want to do good and they're just looking for ways. They're like, hey, I've always wanted to do charity. I was just looking for ways to get involved. So right now we sell some merchandise, but we have many more different ways coming up to make, you know, basically charity mainstream. Yeah, I mean, you get, we are getting crazy engagement. I'm looking at here, your posts, like 135,000 engagements. I mean, are you guys boosting these posts? Because that's, that's sick. Zero boost whatsoever. Um, it's all it's all natural, and that's the beautiful thing. I'm actually overwhelmed right now. We're looking at hiring people uh, to help, just you know, answer the DMs and try to figure out ways that we can really maximize this and get people, you know, the options that they want. You know, everybody wants to help. Like if you read through our DMs, it's literally thousands of people being like, "How can I help? How can I help? How can I help?" Wow. So we're working on that, and we're gonna get them there. That's awesome. I'd like to get my hands on the original, um, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Rhino video. I see that Gerard Adams and I, and Joel Brown follow your page, uh, Karmagawa. Um, those guys are rock stars as well. I just spoke with Gerard Adams this week and, uh, obviously, you know, uh, Joel Brown. So amazing people, man. Everybody's getting behind it. I love it. Yeah, no, I was just hanging out with Joel in Bali a few weeks ago and Gerard, we were hanging out in Tokyo a few months before. So they're good guys. Yeah. Yeah. Good guys for sure. Awesome, man. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go because I want to be respectful of your time, but really appreciate you sharing all your insights and uh, the work that you're doing. Hey, thank you. It's my pleasure. Much appreciated, man. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the Change Creator Revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.